It is the 21st century. There are officially too many video games. But out there in the universe, it's waiting. The best video game you've never played. Hello and welcome to the best video game you'd never played, the podcast where I, stand-up and improv comedian Lewis Dunn, take on the suggestions of my guests to find the best video game that I have never played. I spend a week playing them and then I report back and we discuss whether or not it is the best video game I've never played or whether or not I've wasted yet another week of my life in the endless torment of existence. This week, we're talking to Kieran Douglas, who has brought a video game with him that he discovered years before everybody else, like the magnificent hipster that he is. But not only that, he has brought it into my life at a time when endless looping of things happening seems like the way of the world. What could it possibly be? Stay listening and we'll find out. Hello, Kieran. How are you? Hello, Lewis. I'm not doing too bad. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not bad, considering we're all locked up inside forever. But I found a way to keep myself occupied, which is to play all the best video games that other people have been recommending to me. So why don't you tell everyone who's listening what you've decided to bring along? So today, Lewis, uh, we're going to be discussing Outer Wilds. Uh, this is a game which came out in 2019, uh, although there was a, uh, a pre-alpha available via Unity a little bit earlier. Uh, it is about space exploration, uh, the horrors of space exploration, um, the horrors of ex existence, I guess, um, uh, time travel, um, acceptance, uh, and, and general learning. It's a game about learning. Um, it was a very popular indie hit, a um, well, moderately popular indie hit, I suppose. It, uh, I, I recommend this game to everyone who hasn't played it. Um, the sad thing is it's a game you can only really play once. Uh, so I'm quite envious of you in many ways because you're getting to play this and I can't really play it again, uh, as we will be discussing today. I think the problem I've now realised is I thought you said Outer Worlds, so I've been playing a first-person action-adventure game from the... I haven't been. I've played Outer Wilds. I did play the right game. So... Um... I figured as much. <laughs> I just thought I'd do that because the, one of the... It has to be said, even before we get into this, I you suggested this game to me, and I was like, oh, yes, no, that has been on my to-playlist for a while, actually. I noticed when it came out in 2019, it did win a load of Game of the Year awards, actually. And it got nominated at the big... Uh, video game Oscars, the Game Awards. I believe it won a BAFTA as well. It won a BAFTA, so it's it's like it's a it's a very critically well received game. So I was already very on board with the idea of playing it. Uh, I told um, Louise, my wife, about it, and she immediately just went, "Oh yeah, no, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, the one where you're on going to all the different places and it's owned by all the different corporations." And I was like, "This poor game. Every single time this game <laughs> yes. has ever yeah. ever come up, and I've done it again now and." I still will make the joke. It is still funny to me. Yeah, I believe actually one of the writers from Outer Wilds has actually been hired by Obsidian. Um, who, Just to who confuse made Outer further. Worlds. Yeah. So that's good. Well, this is the thing. I'm going to say, so this is the thing. It was on my to playlist. I was already interested in potentially playing it. But I will admit the only things I knew about it before I went in uh, was that it was going to be about traveling to different planets and that it was based on a time loop. This game basically works on the principle that uh, you can only play it for a certain length of time before something happens, and then the timeline resets and you have to go back to the start. Correct. You have 22 minutes, yeah. You have 22 minutes. I'm not sure I ever made it to the end of a cycle. <laughs> um, so we'll get to that as well as in terms of this game has a deceptive learning curve on it. Definitely. I would actually argue that the entire game is a learning curve. Very much so in terms of... So, yes, yeah, so let's get into this. So I, I didn't know going in exactly how this game was going to work. And I think we're going to sort of soft caveat here. From this point onwards, I'm going to be discussing the game mechanics 
and like one or two details about the planets, but I'm not going to be spoiling any plot, and I'm not going to no. tell you how to solve anything. And uh, and and Lewis, I believe you have not you've not finished the game yet, have you? I haven't finished the game completely. I put in between six and seven hours, according to my PS5, um, which is weird that I've been struggling to find time to play video games during a lockdown. <laughs> but it's because I share the space. And uh, I can't, I can't monopolise the television all the time, so I have to to pick my moments, as it were. And also, there's another reason I haven't finished this game that I will spring on you later, but I don't think it's the game's fault. Okay. It's kind of the game's fault, but not. I, I have not an quite. idea of what that might be. Um, yeah. But um, I, I did just want to say that it's it's interesting, and in it's a game where you can share your progress with me. Um, before we did this call, Lewis shared the pro- his progress with me via a screenshot. Yes, yeah. Um, because it's you, you can you can learn. You learn in this, and Lewis could very quickly share his learning, so I know what Lewis knows about the world and about the plot and things. Which is interesting in some respects because I feel like that's so. The way the game works is essentially you blast off from a little planet where you've basically more or less always lived and you get into a spaceship and you blast off into the universe and you can go explore this little solar system that's been made and that is essentially the game world. There's several little planets on a solar system. They are quite little. Uh, None of them are the size of like a genuine planet and it's like, uh, for a point of comparison, I found like this game sometimes felt a little bit like No Man's Sky, but if it had been condensed and there was a point. So... (laughs) (laughs) I think to, to an extent, I think... There is a certain genre of game out at the moment, which is just the space game, um, which is, you see it in No Man's Sky. I think the same game is is, is Space Engineers. Um, there's a few others I've seen. I think I saw one called Rodina or something, which is the idea of this procedurally generated world where there's creative elements, I guess Spore, you could also say as well, the final part of Spore. Mm. There's creative elements. It's got planets. The planets have things like gravity wells. You can travel between them. It's hopping between planets. Um, and that's very much not what Outer Wilds is. No, but it's sort of it, it's they have similar mechanics in terms of like so. The, one of the main things you do in this game, not quite the first thing, but it might as well be, is fly a spaceship. Yes, and you're flying a spaceship in a zero gravity, effectively. Uh, most of the time, you're flying it in in between planets, and you very quickly learn things like accelerating towards things is great until you need to suddenly stop accelerating towards things. Yeah, and there is an autopilot, but the, the autopilot will sometimes put you in the sun. Yeah, the autopilot will kill you sometimes. It's not, it's not the smartest thing. It Also, the autopilot won't land for you. Yes. Uh, which is good because quite a lot of the time you do want to land somewhere specific on the planet, um, but other times you are just sort of... I found myself sometimes endlessly orbiting somewhere going, I need to land. How the hell do I land? Yeah, it's not it's not quite Kerbal Space Program levels of you know having to calculate orbital trajectories and things like that. But there there is a no, bit of no. there's a bit of work involved. You can't just point at the nearest planet and say, Let's go there. Yeah, and it's also occasionally uh there are some tricky things you do need to pull off in the spaceship. Because I think what I'm now gonna say you might you might reel at but I think it is in many ways a compliment for this game. This is basically a very advanced walking simulator. Yes. No, I, I, wouldn't, I would not disagree with that. There's definitely more mechanics to it than most walking simulators. Primarily, you have a jetpack, which helps you get around locations, which is more exciting than most walking simulators where you barely even have a jump button half the time. And um, the environments themselves... So in most walking simulators, you literally just have to push your character through the game and then read things or listen to things, and then it ends. Whereas this game, you can push your character all over a planet and still not get to the thing you actually need to find unless you stop, read, comprehend, and understand how that planet works. Yes. So yeah. it does. It, ha- it also has that element of a point-and-click adventure game in that it's sort of one of these games that will sit there and wait for you to figure something out rather than aggressively pushing you towards a goal. So last week I was playing Sniper Elite 4, which is a video game that is all about objectives. Go here, do this, kill this person. You are this far away from somebody. This person is hidden behind this wall. Whereas this is a game where I would land on a planet and I'm like, what do I do? And the game's like, I'm not telling you anything. You've got to go and do something. Pretty much, yeah. It, it is, it's, it's of a, a genre of game that I, I actually would compare it um, very favourably to Zelda Breath of the Wild. 
Um, I would not. Well, no, as, again, I, I will explain. Um, so, I mean, it, it could just be, you know, I, I played both of these games in 2019. Um, I was kind of late on the Zelda trail. Um, but um, in, in terms of the way I, I would play these games, um, I'd refer to them as tangents, almost. Um, and I also, mm. to an extent, Red Dead Redemption 2 as well. Um, open world games in general, where there is a big, mysterious world, is you could set a point on a map and go there and see what happened. And the game is then finding out what happens when you go there. Uh, so in, in Zelda Breath of the Wild, it's again, it's a game where there are, you know, there is only one objective and then there are lots of sub objectives. It's kind of find your own way sort of situation. Yes, Breath of the Wild has more structure to it, but I think um, Outer Wilds, it's, yeah, th- th- there, there is structure. There very much is structure. And I, I didn't ever really feel stuck. I always felt like if I needed something to do, if I wanted to find something out, I could just point myself in a direction and go that way. So here's my counterpoint as to why I wouldn't compare this to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. It is, it is very clear in Breath of the Wild what you are supposed to do at all times. There is no question in Breath of the Wild what you are meant to be doing, which is either going and completing the main uh, sort of dungeon animal quests or building up things by going to shrines, completing puzzles, and then building up your character's strength and health and so on. The problem I have with Outer Wilds is it is one of the most directionless games I've ever played. And had had it not been for the format of this podcast, I definitely (laughs) would have given up before I got anywhere near the level of the more interesting things in the game. Because even, even the mystery of what's causing this time loop... I have solved. Have you? I, I've, I've more or less... Inter- in terms of the game, I understand the mechanics of how it's happening. See, I don't think you have. But I don't know what's... I don't think... Well, I don't know what's causing the sun to explode. Yeah. But I know how I'm being brought back to life. But even then, the game hasn't told me to solve this. No, it <laughs> doesn't. Nothing in the game is suggesting that I need, I need to even bother finding out what's causing this time loop. The only thing that's causing me to try and find out what's going on with the time loop is dread. <laughs> And while, while that is a good motivation in a lot of ways, it does kind of feel like the the game is unwilling to tell me its story until I'm well into it. And even now, you've seen the board that I'm at, and even then I played a little bit after that and I found nothing else useful. <laughs> um, it just, it feels like a game, it almost feels like if I was to know the plot of The Outer Wilds, that's the end of the game. That is absolutely correct. And that's kind of interesting but it also makes me feel very detached from a lot of it. I just feel like when I'm flying about and going to these planets, like even even the, the supposed motivation of the main character in the game is just that he's joining a team of explorers that have gone to explore the galaxy. And there's no specific mission he's been given. He's not been asked to, you know, please could you go to this planet and find this? There's not even that. It's just get in a rocket and go somewhere. Well, you are kind of, they, they suggest going to the moon. And they say, "Hey, there's there's ruins on the moon. Why don't you check those out?" I mean, I'm I'm looking at the um, at the website now, and it says, "You're the newest member of Outer Wilds Ventures, a fledgling space program searching for answers in a strange, constantly changing solar system. Who built the ruins on the moon? What lurks in the heart of the dark bramble? Why are you trapped in a time loop? And can it be stopped? To solve these mysteries, you'll have to venture into the most dangerous reaches of space." And I think the game does... We will get to the Dark Bramble. Uh, we, we will get to the Dark Bramble, yes. Um, which is, yeah. The Dark Bramble is not my favourite part of this game. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I Personally, I went to the Dark Bramble last. I, I went very, very last. I, I did everything else first. But again, because it's a non-linear game, it's, uh, you don't, you're still doing things after you've done everything, I suppose. I think the problem I have with this game is I would... And maybe this is just because of the type of person I am when it comes to storytelling. I would have liked the time loop to happen and for someone to be like for essentially for the game to go something's wrong we need to find out what caused that and then maybe point you in direction of the first thing in a trail of things or suggest like uh so one of the things you can do in this game is you've got a little signal scope that um yes the radio signals yeah there's different radio different frequencies as well so you can find other explorers you can find um aberrant uh, signals that shouldn't exist and mm-hmm. so on and that was a that was generally quite a good way to find something to do but there's a little part of me that for ages didn't realize that was even what i was meant to be doing it didn't the signal scope i don't think comes with a particularly fantastic like it has a hide and seek tutorial at the start yeah, does, which you yeah. can easily miss Did, i i wouldn't say you can easily miss 
I think it's it's certainly you know there is the tutorial element of the game where you go around the um, the what's the name of the the open the first planet that you're on uh, Timber Half Timber Half that's it where you go around and I think you are almost railroaded to an extent and that part almost does feel like a walking simulator before you get in the ship only if you talk to people only if you talk to people which is something actually that you don't have to do for most of the rest of the game you very rarely talk to anyone that's true but the the objective of of Outer Wilds is to find out what's going on, and you've... I don't I don't I don't disagree with the philosophy of the game. I think it's the kind of player I am that oh, okay. that it, that it set my hackles off a little bit. I think it's more this idea. And in fact, I have some problems with Zelda: Breath of the Wilds for a similar reason. Hmm. Um, particularly, uh, one thing this game is better at is it rewards exploration in a way that isn't tangible. So in Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, you do some exploring, you find a shrine, you get a new heart or a, a new bit of stamina. And that's a very tangible way to know that you're, you're interacting with the world. This game rewards your exploration with knowledge. And that is not tangible. Your, your character doesn't get faster, they don't get stronger. Uh, it's just a case of you learn something new and that will help you find something else. Which yeah. on the one hand is very cool because it kind of... It's one of the. It's kind of like a roguelike. It's not like a roguelike, but it's I kind of. Mean, I see what you mean, though. Yeah. The progression bar is knowledge and experience. It's yes. not. It's not hearts. It's not bombs. You don't yeah, get better equipment. That that is something that you you have to realize. Certainly, when when you're approaching things like the puzzles in the game, is realizing that actually anything that you do has to be done within that twenty-two minute time loop. That actually, you know, you there is nothing that you can do in this loop to set something up for the future other than with knowledge. So, for example, um, you might be able to find a secret passage, um, which makes it easier to get between places so you can get somewhere earlier. But all it is is a case of finding that out. Um, you know, I know that there yes, is, there's yeah. a city on, on one of the planets where to get in there, you know, the way that's signposted is difficult and will take you about 15 minutes. So by the time you get there... Um, it's it's almost the end. You can't really do much. But what you find when you're there is, oh, there is a secret passage that actually comes through this nondescript rock wall, which means you can access it earlier. Um, so it, there is progression in that way through knowledge. I think we're going to have to now do a, a, a slightly louder shout for spoilers now. Okay. And basically say, so we're going to now start discussing some of the planets in the game. I don't think I'm going to give away any major puzzle solutions, partly because the way puzzles work in this game is very strange. Uh, and also, I will discuss what plot I know. Uh, like I say, I got about six hours in, so I know that according to how long to be, I'm over a third through. But I don't, I re I don't know relative to the actual truth of the game how far in I am. Yeah. Um, so the planet you're discussing is called Ember Twin. Correct. And Ember Twin is where I spent four hours of the six hours playing this game. Because <laughs> it's a complicated planet. It's a, it is a co that's probably the most such, dense. But it's such a good idea, particularly in a game about a time loop, to mm. go, here is a planet with a time limit because it is filling with sand. Yep. And you have to get on this planet and explore it before it is full of sand. And I really liked that idea. But as soon as I discovered it, I was like, this is why the game has a time loop. Yes. Because I don't think this game needed a time loop until I found this planet and went, this is genius because of course this planet can only exist in this game because eventually it's full of sand and that is the end of the planet. I think um, two, I think actually the Ember Twin and the Ash Twin, which is the, it, it's a binary planet where um, the, the sand is flowing from one planet to another. I think actually yeah. they were one of the first planets designed, if not the first, because it's sort of the idea of an hourglass. You know, it is a very, very literal representation of the, the time ticking away that when all of the sand has gone, that's when the time loop finishes. Um, I genuinely hadn't thought of it that way. It, yeah, it, it is a way of, of showing that. And it is a very, very visual representation because even when you're, you know, sitting there on Timber Hearth at the start, you can see the Ash Twin and the Ember Twin exchanging the sand. Um, and it, it kind of, it lets you know that, um, that this is a world where time is happening. And I, I'm an absolute sucker for that game mechanic. You know, it's just like a Majora's Mask, where things happen at specific times. Well, I looked this up. They did say they were inspired by Majora's Mask, yeah. but they specifically said how they didn't want to mess with causality. They wanted to mess around with the idea of 
something like the 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 twin planets that drain sand one from the other they're like that's only a mechanic that works because of a time loop yes the, the only way you can make that work for the player is because time can be reset um i then realized when i was on that planet oh hang on if i flew off to another planet and then came back this planet would be filling with sand still Yes. So not only are you experiencing it on that planet, loads of other stuff is being computed in the background. Mm-hmm. So other time limits are being hit. Other things that you can't uh, you can't prevent are happening. And so suddenly there's this. You kind of become detached from the idea that you have any control, and that ultimately you're gonna. You ultimately at some point your character will die. So there might come a point. For example, on in between, quite a lot of the time, a room would fill with sand that I needed to get into, and I was like, ah, well. And then I just go and kill the character and then go back round on the loop and try again. Because you quickly realise there's nothing you can do. You can't stop the loop. You can't undo it. You can't slow it down like in Majora's Mask. You can't reverse it. The loop will happen. All you can do is restart it. Yeah, and you and you learn to become very unprecious about things that you've been doing. So there's no rush to get to the sand-filling planet, learn a secret, quickly get off that planet into a spaceship, fly to another one and try and get everything done in 22 minutes. You might as well learn the thing you want to learn, kill the character, and then go off to the other yes. planet. If nothing else, because it'll be just as easy to find your ship again. Yep. Uh, and this is an interesting thing, because the game has O2 and fuel levels. So your character can uh, suffocate if they run out of O2, and your character can become essentially stranded if they run out of jetpack fuel. And this happened to me a few times. And initially, I was like very upset by this, because I was like, no, I, had, I, I thought I had enough to do this. And then I learned, it doesn't matter. All you were trying to do was get back to your ship, which is what you've done now. Yeah. Um, in fact, just before this, I, I quickly had another go, and I got about 10, within 10 metres of my ship and then suffocated, and I was like, Ooh. well, that was annoying. <laughs> um, yeah, what... I mean, uh, it's, it can be annoying in that then obviously you do have to navigate back to where you were. Um, and that there is. There's no checkpoints. Yes. And you, There's no help in this game. No, you can learn the ability to meditate, which um, passes the time faster. Um, so if, I did not need that. Oh, yes. When, 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 I don't think you have to learn that, actually. I think when you, um, when you start the game, um, when you're sitting by the fire, you're given the option to rest by the fire, uh, which will speed up time to take you into a further point in the loop. Um, so that's flagged straight at the beginning. I I looked this up because I did I did learn that, but that won't actually trigger until you've done the loop at least twice. Correct. Yes. So you can easily miss that. Although I you can so, roast yeah. a marshmallow, which is cute. It's very cute. Doesn't doesn't as far as I can tell doesn't have massive amounts of use, but it's cute. Yeah. It it's yeah. It's it's a game about um, you know about the the outer wilds. You know it's it's I think it's a very American game in that respect. In that it's you know it's this culture of going on a hike, going into the woods getting lost you know with um you know maybe by yourself you're in this rickety thing you've got just a radio to guide you uh you, you're sitting there roasting marshmallows you, you're meeting strange people and strange worlds and it's a scary world and i, I think it, yeah it, you could see it as a metaphor for the american wilds yeah it has that frontier element to it i suppose definitely but so I've, I've discussed Embetween, which I think was my favourite of the planets I found. I did spend an awful lot of time there, constantly failing, until eventually I did succeed. Have you been to Ash Twin? I did go to Ash Twin, but I didn't find anything of interest there beyond a few entry logs discussing the Ash Twin project. Bear in mind that uh, the sand is draining, is all I can say there. I, I did, yeah, I did go back when it was fully drained, and it just, I, I explored it, and I didn't find much of interest there for me personally. One of the things I think is difficult with the game is it shows you a lot of things and I struggle to find out why I should be interested in some of them. So there's like projection stones that will project you into other places in the galaxy, but they're only like a, almost like a sort of visual trick. Yes. So they'll show you it, but they're not actually real. And I didn't know why I was supposed to care whenever I saw the projection. I didn't necessarily understand what I was looking at, or I suppose more importantly, what I was supposed to be gleaning from it. Yeah, um... I think that's why the the data bank that you have is so useful, because whenever you do something like that, whenever you put a projection stone in, the data bank will update. And that is the only thing which does persist between the time loops. Um, Yes, you you effectively have like a cork board of all the things you've seen and all the things you've read that tell you... uh, rumors that you might have picked up on or clues that you found. But it also crucially tells you when you need to stop looking somewhere. (laughs) Yes, it does. Yeah. I, I think that's a fantastic mechanic, and I think filling that up is very satisfying uh, because it, it, it will point you in directions, I think, as well. 
when you know how to use it. And again, one of the problems is the game doesn't really flag it. The game doesn't tell you, go look at this thing. I think I ended up using an online guide at one point yeah. purely because I was like, I don't know what this game wants me to do. <laughs> and it, I saw a guide that literally opened with, go and look at your ship's log and there'll be a conspiracy theorist style cork board of all the things you've seen and things you can go and look for. And as soon as I looked at that, I was like, right, here are some objectives. Here are some things to do and things to understand. And from there, I got a lot out of it. I spent a lot of time pursuing... Uh, discovering uh, a fossil. Ah, uh, yes. Because I read that I needed to go and... Yeah, yeah, I needed to go and find this fossil in order to go explore somewhere else. And uh, that that was one of the major puzzles. that took me an incredibly long time to solve that, purely because of the mechanic involved. Uh, and so eventually I was like... Eventually I did that, and I was like, great, I've learned something. I can now go and do this other planet. Um, and again, it's slightly spoilery to give it away, but um, I went to Dark Bramble. Yes, indeed. Which is, like I said, the last place and definitely the most terrifying of the planets. Uh, it will be a slight spoiler as to what Dark Bramble is, but essentially Dark Bramble is filled with anglerfish, mm -hmm. which are giant, monstrous fish that look like anglerfish, the real anglerfish in real life, but they can eat your entire spaceship. And the game had taught me something to circumnavigate the anglerfish, to deal with the anglerfish. And despite knowing that, not once did I succeed in <laughs> circumnavigating the anglerfish. How do you do this? You, uh... Like, I genuinely, I even looked up, I looked up guides on how you're meant to do this. And even knowing how you're meant to do this, it was impossible to control the game in such a way that I could do it. That's interesting. So I suppose you've not been deep inside the Dark Bramble then yet. I've been deep inside the things inside the Dark Bramble. <laughs> The anglerfish, you mean? Yeah, I got eaten by quite a few of them. Yeah, um, it's they are they're terrifying. They really are terrifying, particularly when you are obviously you're going through there. It's very quiet, and you can hear them. You can hear them breathing or whatever it is that they do. Um, they're ooh, yeah, I, I don't like the anglerfish. I was very surprised actually because I know on a personal level I know that you do not like horror games. I don't know. Um, this was scarier to me than every horror game I've ever played, primarily because even though even though like the anglerfish are scary looking, but you get over that pretty quickly. What's scary about it is the the way that you navigate them is so tense, mm -hmm. and you're so absolutely at fault if it goes wrong that I just I just get overwhelmed. Like, I'd be incredibly tense, and then as soon as I messed up, I'd just be like, oh, for f and just watch this anglerfish inevitably devour me. But genuinely, I should say, um, once again, we're playing on different platforms. I'm playing this on PS5. You're playing it on PC. That's correct, yeah. Um, I should say on PS5, the version obviously is a PS4 game. I don't think it has any distinct improvement from it being on PS5. Um, and I can kind of tell because the game doesn't run very well on PS5, oh. at least at first. So it has this weird thing of when it starts, the game will judder and have incredibly bad frame rate and then after about five minutes it's okay interesting is that every loop or just when you start the game i think it's just when you start the game oh, right. but it's really really noticeably bad and uh hmm. to the extent where you it's like on the first loop you kind of have to give up a couple minutes to let it be terrible and then and then it will be okay and i think it is okay subsequently on every loop after you've booted it up because i think the computation's okay yeah but it it, it doesn't perform brilliantly it's certainly running at 30 fps to my eye um which surprises me because it's not a visually demanding game no i think it's i don't know i don't know if it's unity i think it's unity or is it Unreal? It looks like Unity. Yeah, I think it's Unity. I've been spending a lot of time in Unity lately with VR chat. <laughs> <laughs> I should say it's not an ugly game by any means. No, it looks perfectly fine. It's stylized. Yes, it's style. It's stylized in that way that everything kind of looks a bit like shiny clay. Yes, but that's kind of all right because you you don't expect much of it, and you come to realise as you're playing it, oh, the reason it can't look particularly um groundbreakingly expert is because it's way more focused on its physics and mechanics than it is on its visuals yes so I'll, i'm not i'm not going to drag it down for that but it doesn't run very well on the ps5 at all um to the extent that the reason i've only been able to put six hours into this game <laughs> it gives me motion sickness 
Oh, is that tra travelling in, in three dimensions with no gravity? It's because the frame rate's bad. Oh, right. Interesting. <laughs> um, the only other game I've experienced this bad motion sickness with, um, and to be fair, it was worse with that game, was when they did the Spyro remakes. Yeah. Before you could turn off motion blur, that game made me really motion sick. It didn't stop me beating it, but it made me really motion sick. And then they added a toggle later to turn off motion blur, and I pressed it, and then suddenly it's fine. I could play the game for hours without feeling sick at all. <laughs> um, I have found it's, if I'm very gentle with it, it doesn't tend to trigger it. So as long as I'm not blasting off in a million directions and moving the camera really quickly, that's fine. Yeah. Except you can accidentally move the camera really quickly because they've assigned the touchpad to be like a mouse touchpad. Right. So if your thumb slips, you can go mad in terms of the like speed at which suddenly the world revolves around you. And it's not adjustable and you cannot turn it off. Um, yeah. So my recommendation is if you have a PC that can run this game, you are probably better off playing this on PC. And if you're going to play it on PS5, and I assume Xbox, because I don't think the Xbox is any more powerful than the PS5 when it comes to this game, just have some ginger nut biscuits on standby, maybe. Or, uh, you know. I don't think it's a particularly demanding game. I'm just looking at the PC recommended specs right now. Um... But this is the thing. I think, I think it's a CPU bottleneck. I think because it renders so many things going on in the background at the same time, and it has to do them, it has to do that computation, it can't do what mm. a lot of games do, where they sort of fake the world, like they just destroy the world behind you and then build it when you look at it. Yes. So I think that's probably one of its biggest problems on... This is the thing, it probably would be fine if they did a PS5 patch, but it's probably running it on the PS4 spec. Yeah, I'm just looking at the at the PC specs right now. Yeah, it's it's about standard. Minimum is a, a GTX 560, which is 10-year-old graphics card, um, mid-range. Yeah. I, is the processor, though? Because I think it's the yeah. computation that's the problem. Second-gen i5, although it recommend, recommends an eighth-gen i5. I don't think my computer could run this game. Um. I don't think it could either. Um, I, no, I think you could. I think you could run this game. I could, just about. Yeah, no, you could. You could run this game. I played it on PS5 because... It wasn't any cheaper to get it on anything else, and I know that if I put a game on the PS5, it will definitely work. Yes, of course. There's the, the benefit of consoles. Yes, yeah. So I would. So I definitely. I, I'm more than willing to put my hands up and say, probably if I played this on a good PC, it wouldn't make me motion sick. And to some extent, that's. It's kind of the game's fault because I feel like the port on PS5 has caused it to do that, but it's not the design's fault if that makes sense. Yeah. So that that I found was one of the. It's an unfortunate feature of the game. It's certainly not an intentional one. But uh, a fair warning to them, to the people out there who, who do get motion sickness from video games. Outer Wilds definitely triggered it for me. And it was, and it was a real shame because I really like this game. So I think, um, actually, on, on the topic of, of development, um, that actually brings up an interesting point that I wanted to make about this game in that I played quite a bit the, um, the pre-alpha of this game which intrigues me how is there an alpha for a game that is so puzzle orientated well that's the thing um so it was released on um i think it was um it was about about uh, maybe five or six years ago i think it was 2015 um and i, I watched a youtuber play it um and it was and, and it's interesting i i've I, dug out my old copy that I downloaded because I still had it on my hard drive. You, you, guys, good luck finding it on the internet these days. They've scrubbed it. Um, at the time, it, it wasn't attached to a major publisher or anything, so it was just some guy's project. Um, but it had... It's recognisably out of wilds. You know, it had all of the planets. Some of them had different names. Um, it had the species. It had the plots um, are there. It had a lot of the mechanics. And actually, as a result, that meant that some of the puzzles... Um, I already knew the solutions to because I'd found them in the beta or alpha rather. But it is really interesting seeing how the game developed and seeing what these early ideas were in the public, um, the public alpha. Well, you can definitely tell this is a this is a game with an idea. Oh, this definitely. is a game that is that is about this idea of the time loop and this exploring a small solar system. It has to be said, I've never played a game where you explore a small solar system. I think the closest to that is probably Mario Galaxy. And even <laughs> yes. then, not really the same vibe, but it's not like it, this is a different approach to open world games that is refreshingly interesting, but also I feel like could be more refined if, if they were to explore this sort of thing again. 
particularly because it's very much tied to this time loop idea. And I feel like maybe you could make a, a game that doesn't necessarily use a time loop, but use some other element of uh, motivation for exploration. Yeah. But like this is this is a this is I know it was originally a like a project, like a college project. Yes. And it, it just it just That's feel what you can. Yeah, you can really feel that. You can feel this is a game with a big idea at its center. And it's interesting because compared to the game I played last time, Sniper Elite 4, one of the criticisms I had of Sniper Elite 4 was it's set in Italy, but it could be set anywhere because ultimately this is a bumpy surface which enemies sit behind. Mm. And depending on where they are in the bumpy surface depends on where I am. This game is the opposite of that. This game could only be these planets, could only be the way this works because each planet is so uniquely linked to its environment. It's heavily designed. Yeah, it's it's so designed. Each planet more or less is a level, and they're obviously interconnected in lots of different ways, uh, including including a brilliant mechanic, which is one planet has a black hole in the center of it. Yes. And if you fall out of the if you fall into the black hole, it propels you to the other side of the solar system. Which the first time it happened to me, I was like, "Oh my god, what the hell do I do?" Mm. Um, That's great, isn't it? It is. It's very startling. You found something out, didn't you? Yes, you find something out when that happens, which is also. I didn't. I didn't learn much from that place, though, other than how to get back. Um, but that's the. Th- that's one of the things that's brilliant about this game is that you. You can't. You can't ignore this game. Can only be set where it's set. This game can only be built the way it's built. And as you've kind of said, once you know how to beat this game, apparently, purportedly, that's it. You're done. Correct. This game this game is solvable in 20 minutes yep. and you'll never be able to unlearn the things you learned. I think there's probably a good motivation to go out and explore anyway to learn more backstory regarding the There um, is, yes. the prior aliens that used to exist in the solar system. That old trope, yes. Yeah, yeah, with the sort of oh, what is it called? The predecessor? No. The precursors, the The precursor myth. Whatever you want to call them, the precursors, the the engineers from Alien. Um, yeah, got, yeah. What, what is it in Mass Effect? Is it the? Something? Oh, I can't remember the name of Mass Effect, but the yeah. precursor myth is is a common trope inside. It is, it yeah. Halo as well, yeah. Well, that's what they're literally called precursors in Halo. It's the the idea of the the ancient um, species who were here, and um, and and kind of and something went wrong. Yes, indeed. Have you found what went wrong? I I, I no. couldn't make it out on your board. I, I I couldn't see if you had. No, I didn't find out what. what what was going wrong i found out how i was being brought back to life constantly okay and i learned about several projects they were working on that were still sort of somewhat shrouded in mystery there was yes. an objection to one of the projects and there were people were like we shouldn't do this and other people were like we should do this and clearly they did it because it, it exists and you can see it um <laughs> but i i didn't fully solve um the the full mystery of what's going on in outer wilds and in one respect i think i am so I'm interested in exploring more of Outer Wilds from the perspective of finding more cool things, finding more planets full of sand, finding more like how finding out what happens if I do successfully navigate the Dark Bramble. It's I think at, when, once you've explored all of the planets, it, the next step is discovering how they all link to each other because every planet links to every other planet. That's why you've got that web there, and and that's and sometimes literally. Yeah, but I don't I don't feel like the plot or any of the characters particularly because so many of the characters are are reported to you you very you do meet some people but they're not massively involved in what's going on they're just sort of stood on the planet going i've been here and it's nice (laughs) yes Um, so i i can't say the plot of outer wilds has me on tenterhooks i'm not dying to find out what's going on but I like going to a new planet and then discovering the thing about that planet and then trying to figure out if I can use the thing about that planet to learn something new. Yes. And that's kind of interesting that a game that essentially revolves around can you find out my plot? I'm like, I'm not terribly interested in your plot, but the finding out. It's a game about finding out. Finding out is the plot. So have you been to every planet then? I think so. If I go onto the map screen on the game, every planet has been has had its silhouette filled out. So every outline's filled out. So I've visited all of the planets and outside of the uh the sun station, um, which I tried to land on a few times and failed because it's right next to the sun. And wouldn't you believe the gravity of the sun's quite large. Yeah, you, you can't do uh, that. <laughs> you can't land on it. You've got to find another way. I read, I read a guide that said you could, but it's very hard. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's technically possible in the way that, you know, speedrunning, you know, ob- obscure Zelda tricks and things or Mario tricks is. It's not what you're supposed to do. 
there, there is a method to get there. Um, and it obviously it involves another planet. Um, you, you say you've been to all the planets. Have you been to the comet? The interloper? Mm. Yes. I I solved the interloper. Oh, you solved the interloper. Okay. Yeah, I managed to get the ship back and explore inside the ship. You haven't solved the interloper. I didn't solve the interloper. No, you didn't uh... solve the interloper. There's a lot well, more. Well, I, I got the ship off that. And then I uh, I explored the ship and learned that, which was reasonably interesting. Yeah, no, there's, um, there's a lot more. This is the problem: there. is a lot of times you work quite hard to find something out, and then what you learn isn't particularly helpful. Which is one of the most frustrating elements of the game for me: is that you would sometimes like. It can seem like that. Mm, pretty much everything you learn is helpful. Sure, but not really. Not in the sense of it makes the game... It. So the big problem I have with it is a lot of the time I feel like I don't know what the game wants me to do or what I should be prioritising. Yeah. And I had to kind of... I had to kind of disconnect from that because I'm like, look, you you don't always know what's important. You've just got to go and find and hope that these things make sense and connect later. But it would then also lead to this very frustrating sense. Like, there would be just a little orange blob next to the sunless city saying... You've not found everything here yet. And I'm there going, but I've explored the Sunless City a lot. And I'm beginning to get frustrated. And it's beginning to feel like in an adventure game. It's beginning to feel like in Phoenix Wright, when you're clicking (laughs) every single object on the screen going, is one of these a clue? Is something a clue? How do I progress the game? And that's how I felt about individual planets. And I found the best cure for this was to just leave that planet alone and go somewhere else. Absolutely. But then it... It kind of just felt like I'm leaving a lot of untied no. string. No, you're not at all. And I don't all. know. Not at all. But this is the thing. I don't know if it's wise of me to leave the Sunless City alone and go somewhere else and come back. Because also one of the things I got really good at with the Sunless City is knowing how to get there and knowing how to explore <laughs> it and knowing what I had already seen. So if I leave the Sunless City and then come back later, am I just going to end up accidentally reading all of the same text logs I've already read? Because that did happen to me a few times. Sometimes I'd come across something and I'd go, great, here's something. And then I'd start reading it and I'd go, no, I've already read this. I've already logged it. There's no way to like cross things off in the world mm. in a way that means you can like ignore that. You can, you can ignore this now. That's not what you're looking for. That's not what you're looking for. But if you just have like a little absent-mindedness about, oh, what is it I was looking for? Oh, there's something over there. You spend ages solving some sort of puzzle and then you go, oh, I already did this. So that's one of the problems I have with the game in terms of like checkpointing. Like in, yes. in Breath of the Wild, you complete a shrine, the shrine stops glowing. Yeah, it changes colour, yeah. Whereas in this game, you can end up repeating the same things to solve things. Or you could end up finding an alternative way to solve the same puzzle. And you're like, well, that's interesting, but I've already done this. Yes. So that's probably... And I think I think... It's kind of an impossible problem to solve. I'm not saying this like, oh, and it's obvious and you could fix it. Like, there was stuff in Sniper Elite 4 that seemed obvious to me that you could fix. Whereas in this game, I feel like the problems are kind of built into the type of game design it went for. And there's no real solution that doesn't undermine that design. Yeah, all, almost all of the, the criticisms that you've made, I think, are part of it. And I think it, it can almost yeah, feel unsatisfying. Yeah, but that's also a problem. But I think it... If you power through, it pays off and it makes sense. But yeah, it it can feel very confusing and unnerving when you're playing it because you don't know what's going on. You don't know why you have to do this. You just know that you have to. Yeah, it's it's obviously. So the, one of the comparisons that can be made to this is it has that Groundhog Day element mm-hmm. because of the time loop. But obviously, one of the things Groundhog Day is about is depression. And this game kind of sometimes invokes this feeling of I'm doing the same things over and over again and hoping that this time it will solve my problem. And I understand that, but but then you kind of have to have that sort of self-growth to learn, all right, so stop doing it. You've got to go and try something else. You've got to stop bashing your head against the same brick wall. So it's a very, it's a, it's a game that I really, really admire. And I'm really glad I played it for this podcast because if it wasn't for this podcast, I'd have given up on it so much quicker. I definitely would have played for about two hours and gone. Will this... you be going back to it? 
Maybe. I want you to. I really want I, you to. I have to. to be honest. One of the things doing this podcast has done, one of the things doing this podcast has done is that I now have a game to play next week and I have a mm. game to play the week after that and I have a game to play the week after that. So what it might be is I might come back to the Outer Wilds. I might come back and give it another go because I also think one of the things that will make it better for me to play is if I'm not trying to push through. Yes. If I'm coming back to it because I'm interested, I might I might stop being frustrated and I might stop feeling motion sick and I might I might be able to go explore with a certain set of fresh eyes and not feel that that sense of repetition and and frustration. I think that's that's a good point. I think you you mentioned um, you know feeling bad or however it is when you leave an area where there's still things to be explored there, and I think leaving it is good because you know worst case scenario you know, best case scenario you go and you find out that actually that particular point of it is something which is relevant elsewhere worst case scenario you come back to it you know having explored all sorts of other places with a fresh pair of eyes yeah and i get the feeling that learning certain techniques in the game will teach you how to navigate all the planets not just the one you're on i think uh there are cer- certainly I got better at using the jetpack. I got better at using the spaceship. I started realizing that the little scout you're given, which is like a sort of camera that you can shoot out and then you can use it to like preemptively explore an area, is a really great way to like figure out whether or not your idea is going to work before it traps you and kills you. Um, yes. So it's it's it, it's definitely a game where it's a bit like Spelunky. Um, I don't know if you've played Spelunky. I've not, but I'm, I'm aware of Spelunky. Yeah, so it's a 2D roguelike game, which is absurdly hard. It's very fun, though, very cute looking. But I, I remember reading a review, and I'd love to credit the review, but I can't remember who wrote it, that said, the progress bar is in your soul. <laughs> that absolutely applies to Outer Wilds, yeah. You're not mastering some mechanic that's tied to the character. You're learning about the world. And in a way, you're, you're, you're mastering the mechanics of each planet. Yeah, you are. That's it. It is a game about learning. So it's it's a brilliant game in terms of design. It's it's got an excellent philosophy to it. It's really one of the most unique video games I've ever played, and I also think it's incredibly niche. I really think it isn't for everyone. And there was a lot of times with this game when I was very frustrated and wanted to stop playing. Little bit of kind of side anecdote here. Do you know how it um, got made, or part of how it got made? Not fully, no. Well, so um, obviously it was originally a, um, a, a university project, uh, you know, in, in developing a world with, uh, with a time loop and with, uh, with, with gravity spheres and things. But um, part of how it ended up getting the funding to actually um, be published as a proper game was thanks to Masioka, um, the actor who played Hero in Heroes, um, who was he essentially he came across the demo on the Internet was entranced by um, the time loop elements because, you know, that's, he was like, oh, that's what my character did in the show. And, um, and he used some of his royalties to help fund the game's development. That's very cute. That's a very nice little story. Yeah. I've had, I'm very happy for them that that's like... Because it's published by, oh, is it what they call it? Anna, Annapurna? Anna... Anna, Annapurna. Annapurna, yes. Annapurna, who are becoming, fast becoming, like, one of the best indie publishers in the video game industry they they publish excellent video games yeah they're up there with devolver i think aren't they yeah yeah you can you can you can tell this is a game with an indie spirit you can tell this is a game that's made because it's someone's idea and they want to do it and it's kind of uncompromising in that vision it doesn't it like i said there's loads of ways that they could alter this game to make it more player friendly that would undermine the philosophy of the game absolutely and had it been developed by a larger studio you could bet you would have been given a gun you can bet you would have been told to, to kill things. <laughs> yeah, because you would, because you'd have landed on a planet and you'd have needed to wipe out a bunch of aliens and then do the same puzzles. And it, all, the, all the killing aliens would have done would have made it more, more laborious to get things done rather than actually being an interesting part of the game. Yeah, which again, I think is, is, it com- comes back to your points about you know, walking simulator almost. Yeah. Um, in that there, is, there's not, there, there aren't really challenges in it. There are definitely times you have to be good at the controls. There are definitely times where you have to be good at the mechanics. Because, yes, there like, are. for example, fly, flying the ship, uh, there will be times you need to fly the ship well. Not just to your location, not just using the autopilot, but using the ship in such a way that you actually have to be very good with the controls in order to progress. And that's, uh, that's good on the one hand, but also kind of feels suddenly very counter to everything else about the video game. <laughs> It's suddenly, suddenly it's like, yeah. and now you have to be very good at playing a video game. And you're like, oh, I forgot. I forgot this was a video game I had to be good at. <laughs> um, 
yeah there, there can be some you know twitch reflexes and things like that um yeah it's i think that those those elements are kept to a minimum but yes they are there but you don't kill anything in this whole game as far as i know except yourself over and uh, over no yes <laughs> you don't sh- yeah, you don't correct. shoot anything well, you don't you don't have to like defeat an enemy or fight a boss there isn't a health bar no you don't kill anything so it's it's very refreshing in that sense it's rare to play a video game particularly because the last game i played was mostly killing things so yes so that's nice so that's good um now uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna now come to uh a sort of overall conclusion on it which is to say is this the best video game i've never played and i'm gonna say so far yes and it set a good bar oh yeah no because the last video game i hadn't played was sniper elite 4 which was a very fun video game but I admire this game a lot more. I think this game has got so many more interesting ideas in it. And while it's not necessarily the most fun video game I've ever played, it's not like viscerally entertaining from moment to moment, it's really interesting and different, and there's no way I would have got anywhere near as far into this game, to the point where I might well finish it down the line. I might come back to it. I really do hope you do. I I would like to. I would like to. I don't think I'm going to abandon it, but I would like the time pressure taken off of playing it for a week going, I've been told if I don't finish this game, I won't understand what's going on. Um, Mm. So yeah, I think currently this is the best game I've played. And it's set a good bar. I don't think think this will be as easily cleared as Sniper Elite 4 was. Um, Good to hear. I'm hopeful. I know know what I'm playing for the next few weeks. And the next video game I've played uh, will definitely give this a run for its money but it could go either way i think i I look forward to hearing about it and that was kieran with the outer wilds thank you so much to my guest kieran douglas for coming on to the show Uh, it was a wonderful time i had a really great time playing the outer wilds and i i really do hope i will be able to go back and finish it however next time on the podcast i will be taking out a mysterious voyage onto the high seas with my next guest to see if i can uncover and unravel a collection of mysteries what could it possibly be the only way to find out is to download the next episode when it comes out Uh, if you've been enjoying this podcast please do subscribe to it uh, give it a good review on itunes or various other podcasting platforms and tell your friends if you think hey they like video games maybe they'll have a good time listening to this it's a it's a great way to you know kill an hour while we wait for the endless torment of lockdown to end. Thanks very much again to all of my guests and see you next time. <laughs>